Hello, everybody, and welcome to Roar. My name is Sam Spellman, and today we're going to have an amazing conversation about the word. The show, Roar, stands for Revealing Our Amazing Redeemer. So basically, we just go in, talk about the word, read the Bible, let it reveal who our amazing Redeemer is. And I had to, I'm, I go back to a while back, um, I think it was Nolan told me, said he was listening to the show, and I uh, I said, Revealing Our, our Amazing Redeemer. And he goes, R, like a pirate, revealing R, and it's it's pronounced our. It's just when you say it quick, sounds like R, so it's actually, I'm trying to say our. For those of you who listen and think I'm a pirate, it really is. I'm just trying to say our. It just sometimes rolls off the tongue a little quick, but anyway, I just thought, uh, thought I might enlighten you guys just a little bit. Today, I want to read a little bit out of Isaiah 47. Um, there's some really good stuff in this chapter. Um there's it's it's talking about well it says the fall of babylon is kind of the subheading that my bible gives it but there's some things that are similar to culture today that parallel culture today that we see here that is um well I don't know, i'm just going to read it and then you'll kind of you'll kind of see what i'm talking about so we're just getting into the conversation today um any questions about the show you want to get in touch with me check the description of the show the podcast um there's information for contacting me there as well as the rest of the ministry social media. So without further ado, he says this, I'm going to read a couple verses. I might read them all at once. I might just kind of touch on a few, but at the beginning of this, he talks about, um, come down and sit, um, daughter of the Chaldeans for you show no more shall be called tender and delicate. So again, who he's talking to the audience, this is, um, prophetically talking about, you know, where the people were at. And he's talking to the, where the people were at, but it also prophetically speaks to where we're at sometimes. You can, you can look throughout scripture and there's, there's parallels. And this is kind of one of them parallels. He talks about millstones and grind meal, uncover your veil, strip off, uncover the leg, pass over the rivers. Your nakedness shall be uncovered and your shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will not meet you as a man. For as our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, is his name, O Holy One of Israel sit silently into the darkness. So he's he's talking about this really interesting um this really interesting visual of this promiscuous woman basically connected to Babylon um and the Chaldeans. But it says this in verse seven You said I shall be queen forever, but you did not take these things to heart, nor remember the outcome of them. Okay, these things he's talking about is kind of what has happened to this point. There's there's always a historical, um, for lack of a better word, historical cycle we can look to. Um, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about how there's nothing new under the sun. So, um, kind of what goes around comes around. You know, there might be a different mask on something, but the same root issue problem, deception, remains the same. Everyone's got to deal with it. Every generation has to deal with the same issues that the generation past dealt with. It's just, are we going to grow generation to generation the way God would actually desire us to? So what family's for, right? Verse 8 says this, Therefore now hear this, you who are given to pleasures, okay, who deal carelessly, who say in your heart, and when you say carelessly, I would say without morals, 
There's no, there's no real, you're just real careless. It's just whatever goes, whatever you feel in the moment, right? You say this, I am, and there is no one besides me. I shall not sit as a widow, nor shall I know the loss of children, but these two things shall come to you. In a moment, in one day, the loss of children and widowhood, they shall come upon you in their fullness because of the multitude of your sorceries and for the great abundance of your enchantments, for you have trusted in your wickedness. Now, before I go on in verse 10 here, this is interesting. In verse 80, he talks about you were given to your pleasures. Um, James, in the book of James, it talks about you ask um, when you, you have not because you ask not, but when you ask, you also ask amiss according to your desires and pleasures. Um, basically, not according to the will of God, but according to your desires and pleasures that you would spend them on yourselves. So when we even approach the Lord, you know, understanding why are we approaching? Am I approaching for the sake of my pleasure being fulfilled? Or am I, say, am I approaching from a place of true, honest humility? Or am I just trying to manipulate the relationship? And and the only way to really discern that is just a heart posture. Um, because it can look the same on the outside. You know, you can see someone go up and approach the Father. You'll be in a service and someone approaches and says, Lord, I ask for peace. You know, and they're, and they're praying. And that could be the most genuine heart cry for peace ever. You could have another person approach the Lord and say, Lord, can I have peace? I'm asking for your peace right now in this situation. And it could also be this, it's the same words, but the heart posture is maybe an entitled one of God always just bails me out. He, you know, he's there for me. He's going to be there, you know, and I deserve peace, right? Cause I'm a, and you, there, there is an entitlement. There's a pleasure that is being sought instead of a true humility. See, pleasures kind of, um, they give way to carelessness. Carelessness gives huge room um, and is a huge indicator of pride. You know, if, if someone's careless, there's, there's a... There's a there's a pretty good indication that there might be some some pride, and I'm not talking about confidence. Carelessness and confidence sometimes can be mixed, you know. Again, outwardly, behaviorally, they can look the same, but carelessness is a lack of regard. It's a lack of honor. It's a lack of self control, and it's a lack of restraint. You can be confident and and make a uh, a direct move that might be you know taking some territory, but you're not doing it from a place of just like blowing up the situation just to do it. You know, there's not, there's no, there's still regard. There's a, there's a tact. There's a, um, there's a dynamic about those decisions you're making. Carelessness doesn't have that. Those who say in your heart, and again, this is the, the indication, this is the heart talk. Again, all of this behavior, the pleasures, the carelessness is connected to the dialogue that's going on in the heart. See, when Jesus um, comes into our heart, the dialogue of our heart changes. The dialogue of how I approach situations changes because of the dynamic of the Holy Spirit, which resides on the inside of me. It says this, I am and there is no one besides me. That is an, a very clear indicator we see paralleled in culture today. How many people are confident that, you know, they're the, the buck stops with them? You know, there is no God, there is no repercussions, there is no, you know, it's just me. It's, you know, there's no one besides me. It's just, it's my way or the highway. I'm looking out for me. I got to take care of myself. I got to be self, you know, I got to love myself. It's just me. There's no one besides me. At the end of the day, it's just me. All of that kind of talk is, is exactly what he's talking about here. You know, I am, it's just me and there's no one besides me. 
And so because of that, I got to, you know, I got to have a little bit of self-care. I shall not be alone. I won't be a widow. You know, I just, I got to care for myself and I'll, I'll never be single. I got to make sure to tell myself that kind of talk that you hear so often. It, it is, it's a very, it's a very fine line, you know, and he continues, I shall not be a widow or no, I shall not know the loss of children. You know, nothing's going to happen to my kids. Nothing's going to happen to the things I have, the people I'm responsible for, nothing. You know, I'll be totally fine. But nevertheless, that arrogance sets you up. And so that it shall come upon in fullness because of the multitude of sorceries, um, rebellion, manipulation. Those are all kind of connected to witchcraft and sorcery. Right? The Bible says rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. So there's there's this understanding that you know when you're you're operating in some of these this idolatrous self righteous sorcery some of those words they weren't just like a mystical thing it was a way of rebellion um, witchcraft sorcery was a rebellious lifestyle it was all self seeking pleasure centered dominating e- I mean it was it was rooted in that dark self righteousness. And so that sorcery here, he says, because of that, the multitude of sorceries, there was multiple inputs of things and the great abundance of enchantments or, you know, blessing something, you know, there's just all kinds of different things, even the enchantments, the way you make something, the the detail, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of different ways that can be kind of explained. And I don't even want to go in there and just try to explain it all in one way. I trust the Holy Spirit to explain these things, even the sorceries and the enchantments. It just was a very dark cultural dynamic, which we as well now are faced with that. I mean, you look at certain apps, it says, what is your religion? And you can put you're a sorcerer or a warlock. I mean, that is very in your face darkness, right? Verse 10, for you have trusted in your wickedness. So again, there's this evil, self-righteous way of living, this wicked way of living, right? It's not humble. It's not trusting. It's not loving, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need help from anybody else. And it says, no one sees me. So again, there's even this, this, this self-isolation. You know, why does, you know, whenever depression and these other things come in, they're self-isolating. No one sees me. I'm never heard. And, it's, and it builds up resentment and bitterness. And that's the function of the heart. That's a, it's a very painful painful way to live. And see, that's what Jesus came when he comes into our heart. Again, the heart dynamic changes because there's no, he's, he's eliminated that pain that, that selfishness doesn't need to be there anymore. You have a friend in Jesus. You have one who's laid his life down in love, who's given everything for your salvation and your protection and your, your holiness, your sanctification, your right standing and the wisdom you need to live this life. He's done everything he can. So that self-righteous way of living, that sorcery, the all of those things, they don't, they're not needed anymore. There's no, that death, right? Just sum it up. All that death is just, it's not needed in the heart of man anymore. It's obliterated by the light of love, right? And life. He says this, for your wisdom and your knowledge have perverted you. So that, that right there is a very, um, I would say a mile marker for us, you know, the, the wisdom of this world and the knowledge of this world. Again, this is all connected to sorcery, to natural knowledge, um, all very temporal, 
carnal ways of thinking. Wisdom that is of this world, James talks about it. If you want to go in there and do some study, I recommend reading the book of James. He talks about the wisdom of this world and he talks about the wisdom from above, godly wisdom. They're two different things. This wisdom here, this knowledge here is the perverted, natural, carnal, self-righteous, selfish wisdom, self-rooted wisdom. It's it's not rooted in Christ. Again, John, the book of John talks to us and tells us that Christ is the root. We are the branches. Um, so, this self-rooted, quote, way of living in wisdom is a different. It perverts your vision and it changes your heart. And it again goes back and you have said in your heart, I am and there is no one besides me. Again, it's very self-centered. There's no one besides me. I'm all alone. I'm doing this myself. I got to grind. I got it. Those kind, that, that very, it can sound good. It can sound even motivational. But if it's rooted in self and not rooted in love and Christ, it's going to end up in death. Somewhere down the line, you're going to be, you're going to be by yourself and dead. You're not going to be connected to life and you're not going to be connected to the kingdom and the family and the other people who God has placed in your life because that selfish view always ends in death. It always ends. It's like the Dead Sea. There's no outlet. There's no, there's nothing giving. It's just, it consumes. And as it consumes and you consume, you eventually consume yourself and you're just, you're destroyed. You're destroyed. And that's what it says in verse 11. Therefore, because of this, evil will come upon you, which you, and you won't even know from where it comes. And the disaster shall fall upon you, of which you shall not be able to atone, and a desolation shall come upon you suddenly, which you shall not know. Again, this is like you're getting blindsided. You know, before you come into the kingdom of heaven, and I'll finish with this thought, before you come into the kingdom of heaven, it's very easy to feel blindsided by people. It's very easy to feel betrayed and hurt. This is what he's talking about. When when that selfish sorcery, again, that word, that perverted lens, you know, even just maybe just using the word perverted might make it a little easier to understand. That perverted, twisted, self-righteous lens creates a, a, a paradigm, but it also creates this place where you will be attacked. It's like you're a sitting duck. The Bible says that the enemy roars, roams about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Whenever we're in that self-righteous place, there's no protection. You're, you're on your own. You're isolated. You're a sitting duck. Who do the lions? If you've ever watched any documentary or know anything about how lions and those predators, how they operate, they always look for the isolated one. They don't go diving right in the pack and, you know, go to the one right in the middle. No, they look for the weak, isolated one. The one who's either old in arrogance or tiredness or has wore itself out or the one who is young and foolish. It goes, it always goes for those. And it goes for the, either the super arrogant or the completely ignorant, if you want to say it that way and put it in human terms. And he always goes and he, he attacks the isolated ones. See, this self-righteous, this sorcery, this wisdom of the world, this knowledge that's perverted, that is rooted in this phrase, I am and there is no one besides me. In other words, it's just me. It's just I got to take care of myself. I got to self-love, got to do it myself, got to be myself. That phrase, that way of thinking makes us a sitting duck. Don't be a sitting duck. Don't let the enemy pick you off because of selfishness. Trust the love of Christ that is shed abroad. If you've been born again, when you're born again, you're no longer alone. 
The Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. The Bible talks about um, that you know you're a son of God by the, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Jesus talks about receive Holy Spirit when he breathed on his disciples. In the book of Acts, it talks about the, you know, the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind and they were filled with the Spirit and began to speak. There's, um, there's a dynamic of not being alone when you're in the kingdom of God, when you're in the family of God. The, the, the Bible also says you shall know they are of me because of the love they have for one another. In other words, there's a family, loving, communal dynamic that comes when you enter the kingdom of heaven, when you get born again, there's a com- there's a family here for you. And if you don't feel like you have a family, just so you know, I'm here for you. Please, like I said in the beginning, look in the description of the podcast, reach out to me, find me on social media, you know, send me a message, say, hey, I was listening to the podcast, just wanted you to you know, I'm feeling, reach out. It's important that we allow the truth to, to ground our hearts, that we don't sit and become a sitting duck in arrogance, but we trust even what the Word says in the Scripture gives us in precedent and tells us throughout even prophecy and through t- the days of old. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. People are still dealing with the same thing. Might look a little different, but selfishness is still selfishness, no matter how it's masked or displayed or dressed up, you know? So again, I just encourage you guys, tap into that love, read the scripture where it talks about love, read in Corinthians where it talks about love, read in John, 1 John, all the different descriptors of love, read Revelation, it talks about, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ, who is love, read the Gospels, Jesus was the Word made flesh, He is love, who is the Father, right? He was. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, the Bible tells us that God is love, which means if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, and if the Father is love, right? Because God is love, the Father is love, if you had an equal sign, so if you've seen Jesus, you've seen love, that dynamic is important that we understand that, that we see that. Anyway, that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, podcast, it was super fun. Um, again, let, let's let that that self-righteous way of thinking just get blown up. The love of God's for you. I'm for you. We're getting better every day. We're growing. His mercies are new every day. Great is His faithfulness. So may the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and lift up His face, His countenance upon you and give you peace.